You're listening to a special Getting Smart podcast miniseries about the Nevada Succeeds Inspire Ed Fellowship. I'm your host, Shani Carruthers. Let me tell you a bit about Nevada Succeeds. Nevada Succeeds is a Las Vegas-based education nonprofit focused on empowering systems transformation through educator impact policy and design thinking. Dedicated to building a statewide ecosystem, Nevada Succeeds launched an Inspire Ed Fellowship in July 2020 in partnership with Las Vegas Sands. The goal of the fellowship was to empower educational practitioners to investigate Nevada education challenges and use design thinking to develop actionable plans to determine solutions. Using the Singapore education system and best practice sites across the country as a guide, fellows engaged in deep conversation around collaboration, student achievement, and professional growth for educators. Keeping equity at the forefront of all their work, fellows were given the opportunity to lead, the support to discover innovative solutions to educational obstacles, and space to shift their practice and learning from insight to impact. We've been honored to partner with Nevada Succeeds on some of this work and are excited for you to hear these conversations with some of the many key players in the initiative. Today, we're joined by Nevada State Superintendent Joan Ebert, Nevada Succeeds Executive Director Janine Collins, as well as two teachers and Inspire Ed Global Fellows, Mike Lane and Jordana McCutton. Let's jump in. Nevada State Superintendent Joan Ebert, welcome to the Getting Smart Podcast. Thank you. Good Joan, morning. it's great to have you. We're, we're also joined uh, by Janine Collins, the Executive Director at Nevada Succeeds. Hi, Janine. Hi, Tom. Hi, everybody. Nice to see you. And we have a, a couple of uh, extraordinary educators uh, with us as well. Mike Lang. Hey, Mike. Good Hello, to have you everybody. on. Hello, everybody. Thank you. Appreciate it. And uh, Joanna McCuckin. Joanna, welcome. Uh, Jordana. Everybody gets that wrong. So Jordana. Uh, <laughs> I am used to that. Good morning, and thank you so much for having me. Hey, we, uh, we appreciate your leadership in Clark and around the state. Uh, uh, Superintendent Ebert, could you give us a quick lay of the land? Um, how many people in Nevada and how many students? Sure. Uh, so we love Nevada. It has a very unique context, um, extremely large geographically. Uh, we have over 3 million uh, people in our state. Students served K-12 is just under half a million. And we have the fifth largest school district in our state, which has uh, just about 320,000 students, about 65% of the state population of students is in one district. So we have a very unique context here in Nevada uh, that gives us a lot of different avenues and paths to travel as we move forward. And Superintendent Ebert, you, you know Clark uh, well. You grew up there as a math teacher. You led math, and then you led uh, instructional technology. You were CTO. You were, you were deputy for innovation in Clark. You did a quick stint in, in New York as a, uh, as a deputy commissioner, and um, I think we're all glad to have you back in Nevada leading the state. Um, Maybe you could give us a, a, a state of affairs in Nevada, particularly uh, Clark County. What, what's happening in terms of instructional del delivery right now? So, so I, will, I will ping off Home Means Nevada. And we have a wonderful song that goes with that. So, you know, maybe that's a, an outtake later. <laughs> <Awesome>. uh, <laughs> but with that being said, 
we have uh, 17 school districts and a state public charter school uh, here in Nevada uh, that it is, as I noted earlier, extremely unique. Uh, I'll start with Clark. It is the largest school district, uh, fifth largest in the nation, our largest in our state. They have been uh, online since the pandemic started 100%. This coming week, they will welcome uh, PK-3 into classrooms in a hybrid uh, situation and then continue to work toward bringing students on um, in a hybrid until the end of the school year. We know that a lot of the school districts are looking towards summer learning to help extend, which we're excited about. When you move out of Clark and go to the north, uh, eight hour drive, uh, up to Reno. Wow. We have the Washoe County School District, which is also very large. Um, both of those school districts also have rural schools. People think of, of the major cities, but they have urban, rural, and suburban in, in both of those school districts. And so Washoe has, has 60,000 students, and I, it's been very fascinating. They gave their point, parents choice uh, when school opened up in August is if you would like to be fully online, we'll provide you that opportunity. So they had about 20,000 families, one third of the district that made the uh, choice to go fully online. Then they had their K-5 students five days a week uh, in person. And then grades six through 12 was hybrid. And so it ended up being a 20-2020, um, about a third of the students fully online since August, a third of the students in a hybrid uh, situation, grades 6 through 12, and a third of the students um, in grades uh, K-5, uh, five days a week. And actually, I would add to that, they're most vulnerable students as well. Uh, they're differently abled students, uh, gifted and talented, as well as um, ELL students. Uh, if the parents so cho chose K-12, came in five days a week. So they were very strategic in, the, in their work in bringing students back. And then we have our rural uh, school districts. Each one is extremely unique, but they all have been, had their children in face-to-face -face instruction uh, since the beginning of the pandemic. Hmm. Um, so we've got a handle across our state, you know, built out a structure of choice, understanding context, uh, and really glad that our teachers, our community, and you have two amazing teachers here today, um, have risen uh, to the challenge to support our kids. Superintendent, you've been uh, chief for two years, and I guess in addition to um, this extraordinary uh, pandemic, what other priorities have you set for your department? Thank you for that question. So prior to the pandemic, um, one thing that we're required to do as the State Department of Ed is have a strategic plan. And our team, you know, me coming back home, I've had friends across the entire state, you know, decades in, in Clark, but I hadn't spent time in really, you know, sitting down with the superintendents, with the children, with teachers across the entire state. So our team visited every single school district and as we were doing that and coming up with, you know, the needs and where we can support school districts, we realized we needed to ground ourselves in our values. You know, what is it that we value? What do we see as, as just human beings on this planet and education that we want to move forward? 
And equity comes top of mind. That's, you know, a lot of things have transpired over um, the last years, but we dug down as a team and it's not, it's not just the word equity, right? It's, it's what is, what are the actions that we're taking? How are we going to differentiate um, in instruction and resources, uh, making sure that we're meeting our children with the resources, whether it's talent, whether it's tools, um, a shift in time, all of those pieces. So our team, our mindset, we actually went through uh, professional development ourselves and supports and exploring our own uh, uh, why and, and you know facing some of the structures that have been in place for a very long time, how they need to be changed. So that's one of the pieces that started and actually uh, accelerated during the pandemic. I proud to report to you that we're the only state that um, I am aware of that has gone beyond just the purchasing of devices and uh, connectivity, but every child that has raised their hand and, and districts have found, it took a long time, it took six months to find some children and, and get them devices and connectivity, but 100% uh, of the students that needed devices in our state and then uh, we have a funding formula I'll round out the in oldest in the nation, 50, actually it's 54 years old now. Uh, during the last legislative session, uh, a bill came out, Senate Bill 543, which is an equity-driven model. It recognizes uh, the needs of our differently abled students, our at-risk students, our uh, students that speak um, uh, multiple languages and are attaining English. Uh, so that is in process right now. Our legislature is meeting as we're all uh, here talking today, and, and we're really looking forward to building out that model and then achieving optimal funding. Uh, we uh, have not invested in education as other states have over the years, and, and we're ready as a state to move forward and, and truly um, invest in, in our children uh, for the future. I mean, it's, we know what our teachers can do. And actually we did a presentation to the legislature and I don't know if you want to post it later. It's, it's amazing. We hired uh, data insight partners and when the legislature funds, they had a focus on read by grade three, they fully funded it, Zuma victory. And guess what? We were below average for decades or below um, on the NAEP. And uh, last uh, for fourth grade reading last year, we were actually at um, with our peers. And it truly is the hard work of our educators and the resources that were provided to our students. They're capable. They're capable. We just, we just need to fund uh, education. There's a lot of us that appreciate your uh, leadership, Superintendent Ebert. Uh, I, I think uh, the president of your fan club might be uh, Janine Collins. Uh, Janine, um, tell us about... Um, Nevada succeeds and um, maybe how you connected with Superintendent Ebert. Absolutely. Well, um, Nevada succeeds is a, is, is a, is an education nonprofit in our, our state that has always been concerned about how to help uh, bring people together and uh, help people through state policy, uh, bring, bring down barriers that support uh, everybody success for all children um, and, and adults in our, in our, 
uh, in our profession. And so uh, with this fellowship that we launched in, uh, well, we began recruiting for it January 2020 and has gone through a couple iterations with, with COVID. Uh, it was really important to us that the fellows that came in uh, had the opportunity to not only do a deep dive into a high, another high-performing system across the world as a point of um, inspiration and learning, but to also um, convene members of our community across all layers of our education system to learn on that journey with us. And so that was really what brought me into connection with Superintendent Ebert and uh, her willingness to um, engage and show up and learn and challenge her assumptions about the system and why things might be difficult and why they maybe aren't as difficult as we think they could be um, and have those really frank conversations and and listen to the educators in the field and have that kind of inform the way that she thinks about moving ahead has been a real, um, I think, success of this experience that we've done on Zoom together because at some point we'd all hoped we'd meet, but I don't actually know that I've met Jordana or Mike. I feel like I know them really, really well, um, but I I don't know that we've actually like shook hands. <laughs> so what a funky time to like build community and also what an incredible, um, what an incredible testament that people who are commonly committed, passionate and curious can um, build meaningful relationships and do work together. Um, even if it happens on zoom. So yeah, very grateful for superintendent Ebert and, and, the other members of our, our system that we've been able to engage with through this fellowship to truly um, challenge our assumptions and think about what's possible. Uh, Janine, we love the fellowship that you put together and you, you um, have identified this extraordinary um, cadre of talented, um, diverse educators from all over the state. We, we have two amazing examples of them today. Uh, Mike Lang, it's really great to have you on the podcast, you're a tech teacher at uh, Laura Deering Elementary, an Apple Distinguished Educator. Um, how did you hear about the fellowship? What did you do in the fellowship? And, and uh, if you found it valuable, why and how? Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on here. I mean, anytime I get to go and sing Janine's praises, it's, it's wonderful. I think the, um, <laughs> the uh, fellowship was a, um, uh, a tremendous idea and I heard it through, about it through I was a Teach Plus fellow here in Nevada as well in the inaugural class of that. And um, uh, that network has really done a good job about making sure that teachers who are interested have opportunities to go and expand their uh, skill sets and their uh, ability to think about how change could look in our state. And so uh, again, very blessed to have been chosen to be uh, one of the initial uh, inspired, ed, uh, inspired uh, global fellows. Um, and just, uh, I've very much benefited from just having an opportunity to sit down and contemplate uh, how I see um, my own practice, how I see the practice in the Valley, um, having opportunities to collaborate and, and converse with uh, some of the, um, the leaders in the Valley and the leaders in our state, uh, as well as my, my uh, contemporaries um, has given me some, some insight into some places where uh, perhaps I had some assumptions and perhaps I had some blind spots and um, just, um, Sometimes I think as a teacher, you get into the compartmentalization of your job, right? Your four walls and you close the doors. I think that's one of the, the, the there's a blessing in the pandemic. One of the blessings was teachers had to be able to come outside their classrooms, right? There was a, a, a um, almost an instinctive um, uh, uh, view 
that we had to have collaboration with other people to help us through this time. And so uh, I really leaned on a lot of uh, the work that we did within the, the Inspired Global Fellowship uh, to kind of uh, not only uh, motivate me, but also to try ideas out and feel like the, that it gave me, gave me an opportunity, a, a, a laboratory, if you will, to go in and to, to think about things in a different way. So I'm um, extremely blessed I've been, been, been chosen for that fellowship. Mike, uh, you, you were probably um, unusually well prepared for teaching uh, during a pandemic, but what's it been like for you and how have you helped other teachers uh, adjust their practice this year? Uh, I just I think that one of the things that um, is always uh, great at a, as a catalyst for change is um, being uncomfortable. I think a lot of people were uncomfortable uh, once we went online. Uh, people were perhaps thought um, uh, the use of technology in classrooms was, was an auxiliary uh, function rather than uh, a, an integral one. And I think that people are realizing now that uh, technology isn't an option. It's, uh, it's essential to how we do business in the 21st century. So a lot of teachers who were perhaps, uh, you know, a little hesitant in uh, March of 2020 have now gotten to a place where they're comfortable. And uh, one of the things that I have always tried to do is... Um, Kind of stay on the margins, stay on that cutting edge of what push what's possible. Uh, and one of the things that has happened because we've been online is you have a lot of teachers who weren't streamers now, there are streamers now, that weren't podcasters now, there are podcasters now. It became a necessity for you right. to find these other ways to get to students. And I think being comfortable a lot of times, uh, uh, you know, is great, but being uncomfortable creates this, this um, a, a nascency that wouldn't be there uh, otherwise. So uh, we've done a lot of uh, free professional learning, a lot of uh, just the meeting with people over Zoom and over Google Meet about, hey, this is something that you could do, um, collaborations, um, Saturdays late at night, <laughs> um, uh, really kind of um, encouraging teachers not to try to learn everything, but to get 1% better every day. And that your 1% may not be the 1% of the, the person down the hall from you, but um, just trying something new. Uh, experiencing it and don't and not forgetting that when we go back to the quasi normal state that will be in you know next school year or hybrid or whatever it is, I think that that is the um, the thing that I I think is the most uh, pressing of all these things is not forgetting the lessons we've learned during this time uh, and forgetting those things and throwing them off and going back to the the old means of of education because I mean in a lot of ways those things didn't work. Right. Mike, uh, just really appreciate uh, the ways that you've sought out uh, and fully participated in leadership development activities in a formal and informal way that you're sharing great practice. What will include uh, a couple of your social handles uh, in the show notes for you. Uh, you just do a great job sharing uh, teaching tips with your colleagues. Uh, Jordana, uh, you're an English um, language learner uh, project coordinator for Clark County. Um, how did you hear about the, this fellowship and what was your experience like? How's it caused you to think uh, differently about your future plans? Uh, so I actually was with Mike in the inaugural cohort at Teach Plus. And uh, I then continued that work as a senior policy fellow and, and heard about the opportunity with Nevada Succeeds through that. And was uh, from the time that uh, 
whispers started happening was uh, waiting for the application process to happen and was so excited and grateful to be given the opportunity to be here with this cohort. Uh, it's, there's just nothing better than sitting and like Janine said, it's, it's, um, it's interesting that it's on Zoom, but the, the ways you can still connect and build community when you're sitting in a room with like-minded educators who are focused on solutions, who uh, recognize the challenges that we're in. And, um, you know, we, we have the collective trauma we're all going through, but then to sit in that moment with it and then say, well, what can we do with it? Um, and so that's just really made me think about through the work I do with the ELL division, you know, how can shifts in my learning through looking at the model at Singapore uh, and other learnings that we've done through the process, you know, how can I apply that to the work that I do supporting schools um, in their efforts to support our ELL students. So it's just those shifts. I think as you learn something new, it just, it tweaks how you think about things in your mind and uh, that then affects the work that you do. And so really thinking about the amount of inequities that were spotlighted because of the pandemic, uh, it's been impossible to ignore how vast those inequities are when uh, there's things that we take for granted sitting here on a Zoom. I didn't have to think about whether or not I have Wi-Fi that can handle uh, being in a Zoom call. I've got two monitors that I'm working with, but realizing that that is not the norm for everybody. And uh, hats right. off to Superintendent Ebert for all the work that's been done by her and everybody collectively with her to make sure that every student in our state who needed a device has a device, has a hotspot, has internet. Um, and then my 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 big takeaway is, and then what are we going to do with that? So I worry about people that are so tired. As Mike was saying, the important place is to be uncomfortable, right? If we're comfortable, no. we don't grow. I've got my feet up on my couch. It feels very good, but I'm not losing any weight, right? Because I'm comfortable. You have to get in that uncomfortable area, right? And so we have to really embrace these changes, in my opinion, and say, what can we do from here? And so my, my big worry has been uh, when schools, when buildings are open again, uh, it's gonna be so tempting to go back to what we're comfortable with and just go, whew, we made it through that. Uh, but that would be such a tragedy to, to take all of the learning, like Mike was saying. Uh, I was just at a training this morning, uh, giving teachers uh, some strategies on working in distance learning um, with some high yield strategies that we've always used with our ELL students and taking those into this 21st century model, which it's about time for taking models into the 21st century because we're so far into it already. Uh, and just seeing that, that the amount of, of gratitude for, oh, I can, I can do this. I still can uh, take what I know as good pedagogy with my students and apply what I'm doing in distance learning and have a really great experience with my students. So it's taking that forward instead of being so relieved to go back to what we had. Uh, and so that's my, my big push um, through this fellowship and just in, in every avenue I'm in is to say, and where can we keep going forward? We've now got a huge amount of momentum. Let's make sure that we keep the train moving in that direction and not go, whew, let's head back to what was comfortable because as Mike was saying, it wasn't working. We know it wasn't working. We've got lots of data to show that it wasn't working. So uh, let's move forward. Sure, Donna, I, I love how your leadership development uh, activities have spurred involvement in uh, education policy statewide. You've really turned into a force of nature when it comes to helping to shape uh, education policy. Is that 
has that been a byproduct of some of your leadership development activities? I would just say I, I just I'm I'm interested in the policy nature of it. Um, I spent 18 years in a classroom, so I, I've got you know it's not like I just jumped out of the classroom uh, and and. I started to feel a tug elsewhere. So I still work with schools. I was just at a school last year. I'm in central office this year, um, but through different programs, um, started with the Public Education Foundation's Teacher Leader Academy, moved into Teach Class, and now I'm with Nevada Succeeds through this fellowship. It's just, that's, it's just my side gig, I guess. It's just what's inspiring for me uh, about education, right? Like you want to, to take what you know and make sure every student in our state has a top-notch education. And uh, um, I'm nerdy. So for me, that's very exciting. I don't know why other people aren't as excited about it. Uh, it's extra exciting that it's uh, the the every other year when we have our session. So, you know, our legislators are in session right now. And uh, here's the time we can actually make some large fundamental changes with Right. funding, with evaluation systems, with uh, equity issues that are at the forefront now. We just, we can, we only have um, one shot every other year to make huge gains. And so we have to get excited about it now. Superintendent Ebert, you, um, you have to be excited about um, the extraordinary teachers you have in Nevada, like uh, Jordana and, and uh, Mike Lang. Every time I'm in a space with these amazing humans, it just warms my soul. I can, you know, keep going and know that the work that they do, the support that they do for their colleagues uh, and the children is, is phenomenal. And then Janine, you know, setting up uh, the whole program and listening and structure and having people reflect it, it, the growth that we've seen, you know, personally and professionally as a state, as humans, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's been amazing. And, and we really have taken this crisis and turned it into a massive opportunity for all of us. Yeah. Superintendent, I appreciate, um, I think you attended almost every session that we did this year and you really dug in and uh, learned right along with the fellows. So I, I, I appreciate uh, that you're a, a lead learner in Nevada. I, they taught me a lot. It was, it was good. Janine, um, what else do you want to tell us about the fellowship and uh, how it's grown and how it's becoming even more important in Nevada? Well, you know, there's a, there's a, I think Margaret Mead gets the attribution for the quote, like a small group of committed people can change the world. And I think that having, creating the space for that spirit um, uh, in the midst of the moment we've all found ourselves in was um, particularly important. Um, and I think that recognizing the opportunities that we have in terms of collectively, individually, our fellows are all kind of have used and are using human-centered design thinking to uh, challenge their assumptions, look at ways they can, as Jordana said, create solutions in their context. And I think what's been important about that is not is equally the kinds of things that people are coming up with, but also what the process of doing that is uh, helping uncover and unpack and highlight for next action steps, both implications for policy and how we might advocate for deeper conversations and um, resources around things that are coming out of our learning, as well as collectively uh, this recognition that we have an opportunity to really do some vision setting work with um, a statewide graduate profile. So I think being able to 
see the ways in which all the individual learning can also collectively create um, a, a larger spirit of learning that can also lead to tangible outcomes that are going to take continued collaboration and convening um, is exciting. And it's also an opportunity, I think, for our fellows to be, in, be a part of that, quite frankly, because the people at the level of the boots on the ground work really have some of the best ideas, solutions, <laughs> and also know um, uh, what is needed. And so really bringing them forward into that to connect all the layers, something Superintendent Ebert's been passionate about, something Mike and Jordana are beautiful examples of, and I think something that our fellowship seeks to continue to support. Mike, what's on, on tap for the rest of your week? Oh, trying to figure out uh, what kind of crazy boundaries you can push for a uh, hybrid. So right now, uh, the specialist and I are going to actually shoot a TV show every day uh, where all of our specials awesome. one uh, reading rainbow inspired uh, television program that's just looped over and over again. So we're really uh, trying to embrace the, and we're going to pitch it to PBS at some point. So shout out to PBS. Ooh, awesome. <laughs> but uh, we, we just try to trying to uh, utilize the time right now to kind of really, uh, if you're not pushing boundaries, you're not trying. So we're really going to try to um, do some really, really innovative and interesting things um, in terms of having the kids both at home and at school and trying to figure out how that's going to work. Um, so that's where we're going and also trying to get some of the classroom teachers on board with um, embracing YouTube Live and how do you utilize that inside of their awesome. truck so that they can have um, uh, their lessons recorded and whatnot for next school year so they're good to go. It's very cool. Um, Janine, just congratulations on the energy and opportunity that you've created statewide in Nevada. It's very cool. We'd love to see other states uh, create programs like this. Uh, Superintendent Ebert, so great to see you again. Great to have you on the podcast and uh, deep thanks to uh, extraordinary teacher leaders, uh, Mike Lang and Jordana McCudden. Great to have you guys on. Thanks for being on the Getting Smart podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much to our guests for joining us today. We appreciate their leadership in the space and can't wait to see the ripple effect of having such incredible fellows doing important work in education. Stay tuned for part three of this series coming next week. Thanks for listening. This is Shani signing off.